0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, folks, Brian Nichols here from The Brian Nichols Show. Are you tired of partisan politics? Do you want to hear the news without that media narrative? Do you want to be more well-rounded as a person? Or how about this? Do you want to get to know and learn from noted entrepreneurs, elected officials, C-level executives, economists, and more? Well, how about this? Look no further. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Again, I'm your host, Brian Nichols. Go ahead and learn more at briannicholsshow.com. Okay, so hear me out. You like getting cash back for the normal stuff you buy throughout your week, right? Of course you do. Check out the DOSH app. That's D-O-S-H, DOSH. Dosh is available at the App Store and Google Play Store and securely connects to your credit or debit card. From there, every time you use those cards, Dosh searches for available offers. Once it finds one, Dosh automatically redeems the offer and converts it into cold, hard cash. Muchos dineros, brother! Then deposits that directly into your Dosh wallet. Click the link to download and join DOSH today and get $5 just for joining. This link is exclusively in the show notes of this episode. So show notes, special link, DOSH, $5 cash. Start on the path to quick and easy cash back on the things you love today. Hey, everybody, check out the Break the Bell podcast where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. For a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world mixed with a side of history. Find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at BreakTheBellPod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Folks, welcome back to the program. It's great to have you here. Hey, what want what, to go ahead and ask you something. Do you think the internet is real life? I'm, I'm only asking because some of you literally act like it's a death battle every day. I don't know if, uh, if this is going to be a shock to you, but sharing 20 Donald Trump memes within an hour isn't really going to convince your liberal aunt to change anything. And uh, you know that's if, if that's news to you, then I'm I'm sorry. We've got bigger things to talk about. But this is the topic of the day. Uh, what is actually real online? Do we often forget that we're dealing with real people online? And what can we learn about ourselves through the interactions of others? All good, bad, in between going to go ahead and bring in our guests in a second. Before we do that, I've got to ask just one thing. It costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. And usually I ask at the end of the show, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it now uh, because no one really wants to hear me talk this episode if you're tuning in. A uh, five-star rating and review on iTunes. It costs you like five seconds, but means everything to me. Uh, I want to go ahead and thank everyone that has done that so far. When we came back with the show six, five, six months ago, uh, starting from scratch on a brand new network, trying to do things a a little bit differently was uh, was a bit intimidating, but I do want to say that through your support and everyone at the We Are Libertarians Network, it's been fun. And what's really been fun is not having to really do a political show on a political network. What we've been trying to do here, especially for first-time listeners now trying to figure this out, is understand the world around us, actually trying to understand life through the views of other people, how we can actually go ahead and become wiser much more interesting people as a result. And if I've done nothing major for you, at least I've given you some stories to bring up when you're stuporing around at a party, when parties happen again with your white claw in hand, and you've got some interesting facts to throw at people before they look at you and say, oh, is that right? And then they walk away. So at least you could say you tried. But uh, we'll go ahead and jump into it. Got a good friend on today. She recently came out with not one book, but she came out with two books um within a very short amount of time and that for any author to do especially a first-time author is a big thing you might know her on twitter for starting fights attempting to go ahead and slide into your girlfriend's dm in one occasion or two but overall she's an interesting person and we're gonna go ahead and try and get inside the mind of a satirical twitter thought get the actual person behind the screen folks maya master maya thank you so much for coming on tonight
1: Thank you, Remsa. It's so nice to be on.
0: So how, how many people that follow you on Twitter do you actually think know one actual fact about you?
1: Ooh. Well, that depends on what you would consider a fact because, uh, I mean, any one of them could just say uh, one fact is, she has big boots.
0: Okay. Well, you so, said it, not me. Think, so that's out think, there. Now. Yeah, I think. Okay.
1: I think all eleven thousand three hundred and something at this point could probably rattle that off. But if we're talking real facts about me, uh, who I don't know, maybe half
0: could eh, eh, could eh, come eh. up with one. And that's what I really want to get to. Your, your Twitter has blown up recently, and it's been you know pretty, pretty interesting seeing this happen over the last couple of years because we haven't uh, kept too much in touch because of life and the way that the world goes. But it, it seems like in many ways what you did was you took a lot of challenges and a lot of obstacles over the last four or five years. And what you've done is you've done two things. One, you've owned it, and two, you've taken an opportunity to actually have some fun with it. When did, when, when did the Maya master Personality of yours kind of jump in, and you know what, what's the road been like thus far? Because if you had told me that uh, you know your your plan a few years from now is to grow a massive Twitter cult and then eventually milk Sims for their Cash App info, I'd probably say, well, that that's that, that's a little bit wild. But you know, during the world of 2020, anything is possible. And uh, you know, a few years ago, I would have been like, well, why 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 would you want to do that? Why would you want to think of ever doing that? And now I'm like, well, shit, what am I? Doing? doing wrong where where did everything start yeah
1: yeah okay so um honestly this has been one of the craziest journeys of my life which is saying a lot because my life has been a a never-ending change but um i guess that to the my master persona kind of came to fruition as the chapter of my divorce started to close or i guess you could say begin with my divorce um I think honestly, the big hallmark change was me losing weight. And for me, uh, it wasn't necessarily the outward beauty that attracted people as much as my initial confidence coming back. Um, I, and I won't go too deep into the issues of of my marriage because that's not what anyone wants to hear about, but I, I gained my first decent following up to about 2,500, 3,000 or so years ago i was very active on twitter i interacted a lot and and was just part of things and then i got married and life happened and um i devoted a lot of my time to my marriage and trying to make it work trying to be a good supportive wife and then also you know i was um working full time in school full time and i finished my bachelor's in 3 years while working you know full time almost the entire time uh so i just didn't have a lot of time for anybody or anything other than um, what was right at the forefront and then finished my degree. Um, a year later is when I separated from my husband and moved back to Dallas. By that point I had lost 85 pounds. Um, and I, the first time I started actually tweeting between that, that time period of, I guess, about three years, the only time I was really on Twitter to was just to retweet and like things and occasionally talk. And then I tweeted one night um, a side by side. I said, 85 pounds down, never going back. I went to bed. I thought maybe my of my 3,000 followers, like 100 would really like that. I woke up to my tweet going like semi viral of like 7,000 likes. I think I got over 1,000 followers that night. Um, and it just blew up. And next thing I know, people are messaging me and I'm just inundated with, what did you do? Tell me all about it. Tell me your story. Uh, and so from, I think that point on, which is about November, December of 2019, um, I, I just started blowing up. And so I just started talking again. You know, I've always been a very vulnerable and open person with my challenges. Um, but I hadn't been talking about any of them. Because I didn't want anyone to know. I, I had kind of created this persona years ago of the woman who had overcome it all and was now living her best life. Uh, so I wasn't ready to tell the world that uh, I didn't and that uh, I had a lot of setbacks. And so I just took that, that leap and said, you know what, I'm going to talk about it.
0: And I uh, like, here I am. Yeah, no, I feel like for women... And uh, no, I'm gonna preface this for first time listeners. I'm not a feminist. I'm not about to go ahead and you know say something that's remotely gendered politics. But like, I I, I believe that for women, especially online, they have more standards than men are upheld to. I don't think that's a controversial. Yeah. yeah. And no, it,
1: definitely. We're you know, we're expected to always be on. And that's something that I've struggled with as this I don't want to say fame necessarily, but moderate fame has come about because even at the beginning of the year I was only at about four thousand followers and from about January to now I've gained about seven thousand more and um over time it, it starts to get to you because you feel you know, I don't I don't do it for the recognition. I I want to keep and grow my following because it gives me an opportunity to help people. And I see it every day. I, I get genuine opportunities to really help people. And so it's important to me to keep that, uh, I wouldn't say persona, but um, opportunity to connect with people. And part of that does come from the Twitter thought persona because it I, it allows me the opportunity to reach people who probably need to hear what I have to say the most. Um, but there is there's a level of, expectation behind it of always having to be on always having to have something to say not being able to t- take a couple days off because people will lose interest and they'll stop following you or, yeah. or they're on to the next thing you know, there's well, always the next greatest thing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when when we first met, uh, you were you were a bit more open, a bit more active in terms of, like, politics. You were doing a lot of Second Amendment yeah. stuff. You were you were writing. I think you wanted to be a journalist for a little while. And um, I did. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when, when you're in that sphere, and I, I saw this, and I, I joke about it in my second book, Has succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship. I, I joke about the, the myth of, like, the the classy conservative woman. You know, the mm-hmm. the gorgeous blonde that wears the the red dress to all the, the Republican rallies and stuff and she always has to be on. I think that's a good way of kind of putting it. And, you know, you yeah. have to you have to kind of walk this line between, oh, it's part sex icon type of thing. It's also, oh, listen to what mm-hmm. I have to say. And for a lot of those yeah. types, I think it comes it comes into like the Fox News Bunny type of person type of, you know, debacle where mm-hmm. it's like w- w- you got to get on this fine line between am I here for my brain and what I have to say? Or, am I here for my beauty type of thing? Um, you know, a lot of women, they, they try and. Go in one direction or another. They try and go super classy. They dress, they dress more masculine. They try and appear, you know, mm-hmm. more like they're they can compete with the boys. I think you've got the others who will go on Fox and talk about how bad Biden is and shit like that. But then they'll go on Instagram and it's just like you know mm-hmm. them wearing a holster top at the range, doing a yeah. doing a calendar shoot, and it, it seems like you you kind of just. Rejected that, and when you kind of transitioned to, into like the Twitter thought personality, did it start off more serious or did it start off more satirical? What was the what was the change in mind for that? Because it seems like in in many oh, ways, yeah. once you kind of choose one, you can't go back to the other.
1: It, that's very true, and and I think that that's kind of what's a little bit set me out of that mold. Is uh, people can't figure out what barrel to put me in uh because I switch it up every day and I think that a large a very large part of my following um in their feedback constantly is I love how real you are like you just are you and and if one day it's talking sad or the next day it's talking about you know mental health awareness or sexual assault awareness and the next day it's satirical tweets you know I you know you're you're, I'm getting to see a whole human being here so I think I think um if I really think about it, probably honestly, COVID. I got bored. Um, <laughs> I, <did my> <laughs> I got really bored.
0: I was I was having I was having a conversation. I was having a conversation with uh with some with some guy friends of mine the other night, and um, we we were drinking, and somebody brought up, you know, I I never knew. I, I've got a friend. Uh, it's Sean, he went to University of Arizona. He's on the degenerate panel that we have on my show. And uh, he, he, you know, he, he was a partier back in college and he he made a lot of good lifelong female friends. Uh, you know, completely platonic friends out of it. And, you know, University of Arizona, they were all gorgeous and it's Sean, so of course he was attracting gorgeous women. Yeah. But what was super funny was how many of them, because they lost jobs or something, ended up going over like OnlyFans. And then we saw our yeah. friends who were like really shy and timid. They got bored or they, you know, lost a job or something. And now they're doing mm-hmm. that. And then they pop up and it's like, well, damn, where did this happen? I feel like, COVID, I feel <laughs> you know, like COVID.
1: If I had lost my job, I would have thought about it, honestly. I, I feel really like, would
0: have. I feel like COVID has forced a lot of people to do a yeah. lot of things that they wouldn't have done otherwise.
1: Yeah. I, I was very lucky and fortunate to keep my, my job and my career. Uh, I am threading that line with my, my satire. I'll, I'll be honest but which was the, actually, I'll say that it that was the uh, catalyst for the persona was I didn't want people to know my name because people mm-hmm. were beginning to dox me. But um, my first joke, uh, I guess, off color joke was at the beginning of COVID. I went to the store and I could only buy certain things because everything was sold out, but they had uh, chicken nuggets that were shaped like letters. So I got them and I'm thinking of just funny Twitter content uh, to keep you know i was just bored like and i was interacting with people on twitter so i was like what's something funny i just dumped it out on my counter not on my counter you know i'm not disgusted but dumped it out there are standards and was like what 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 can i spell what can i spell here and um um father forgive me but i spelled out fuck me (laughs) on on a plate and i said uh I said one week into quarantine <laughs> and I, just, I took a picture and that kind of blew up a little bit. And people <laughs> loved it. So then I went and bought more chicken nuggets and I was <laughs> coming up with, with uh, like different, terribly uh, off-color jokes with my chicken nuggets. And people were coming back to that. I did that for about a week. Every day I would post like a new chicken nugget message uh, that was terrible. Um, oh my God. And then also I... I, uh, when I called them my, I also tweeted this, I called them my daddy Trump bucks. Um, and although I I do not, I'm not a fan of Trump, uh, it was funny. So I uh, took my stimulus check and while I did pay off a chunk of debt, I decided to buy, um, the huge fluffy boudoir, robe and yeah set so I, I, I wanna Amazon I want I, I, I want <laughs> pause
0: for a second because this is when this is okay f- fun fact behind the scenes this almost got me in trouble so you know we're, <laughs> we're putting it all out there so i'm I'm sitting at my girlfriend's house and we're watching Netflix and I'm I'm scrolling it. down and next thing you know I see you had another tweet <laughs> and at that point I realized oh it's gonna be something funny but I go to like that and you know, Two things popped in my mind. One, okay. Two, oh, that's Maya. <laughs> and then the third that's thing Maya. struck my mind was this 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 pillow getting thrown at me, and all I hear is like in a, in like a, a demonic voice, "What the fuck are you looking at?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's a friend it's it's of mine." That's sets the. F- oh, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so like eventually, so eventually. Of uh, yeah. So like eventually, she calmed down. She's like, oh, I like that, and I'm like, I will buy one for you if you want. And She's like, stop it. Yeah. So then, it like you know, it it it, <laughs> it went there. But you know, that was one of those moments where I'm like, well, that's out on the internet now. What uh, what was it? Just the Trump bucks that prompted yeah. that, and you're thanking the the God, Lord, what? Emperor you, Trump you know- with that, or what? <sighs>
1: No, oh, because God, that no.
0: was a fine uh, use of a I, stimulus check as an American man. That was, I mean, good job.
1: Yeah. But like, uh, thank
0: you. Thank you. Yeah, but I like, bought what? it
1: and then I realized, um, no, I was very single. I said, no one's ever going to see this. I want everyone to uh-huh. see this. was amazing. <laughs> and that was like the confidence, <laughs> the confidence in me. I said, if, if I don't have one person to show, I'm going to show everybody because I look damn good and I want people to see this. So I took a lot of photos and then i sent them to my girlfriend and i said which is the least scandalous of these and then the one i posted was was the decision and it was kind of classy but a little a little risque so i posted that and that blew up and everyone was like oh my god you look amazing and whatever whatever well then i um i hadn't i don't know if i had changed my name to maya master at that point i think i just had it at maya mm-hmm. and um i also during covid I uh, I had my alter ego. That was one thing that my followers know. If I say, if I go and tweet, uh, Mia is here. People know I'm shit faced. So my alter ego when I'm drunk is Mia. And people had started tweeting at me stuff about Mia. And I was I had made a joke to a friend. I said, uh, too many, too many people think they know me. I need a rebrand. I got to keep people on their toes. And so I, my father is uh, 76. No. 74 or 76 he's 76 so he was born in 1944 and I was raised with a lot of uh vintage things like uh 40s 50s 60s music um records and and old cars and like I just always had a love for vintage things I was obsessed with Marilyn Monroe growing up and so um a lot of people have been uh comparing me to her just a little bit here and there which was the ultimate compliment.
0: Don't so, date to Kennedy. In, that you know never what? works out well.
1: Oh, no, thank you. Uh, I don't want to accidentally overdose. Accident. <laughs> <Air>
0: quotes. <laughs> CIA. It's uh, okay. Agreed. <laughs> <Arthur> i
1: <Jackie. laughs> <laughs> uh, I pissed off. I pissed off. The COVID cough. Mr. Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said I'm a rebrand so the other part of what I did with that that money was not just the robe but I went and bought like a bunch of vintage clothes and I said you know what this is what I'm do as soon as I get back to work I'm gonna just start dressing in more like vintage style clothes and then that became my brand um, and when I decided I was about to publish I was like well I now have this persona on Twitter. I'm growing my followers. I think I was up to almost 5,000 at that point. And, uh, I didn't want people to know my real name. So I was like, well, if I'm going to publish this book and I'm going to do it right, I'm going to be able to, I need to be able to, to market it on my Twitter. So I need a, I need a pen name. So my dad, well, I can't give away my dad's stage name because my dad's stage name is based on the other half of my real name. <laughs> So my dad went by Bill, you know, it insert last name here as a stage name for 30 years in the country music business. And so, uh, I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna take the other half of that and I'm going to do my name, my master. And, uh, I, when I decided to do that as my pen name and publish that way, I changed my Twitter and then, uh, and then here's where the brand came in and here's where I almost lost my job. Um, I then made a post after I had been wearing these vintage clothes. I took four of my outfits and I tweeted at, um, I just tweeted them out. And I said, my caption was like, I need to find a photographer in the DFW area so I could do a pinup style photo shoot. And I was just thinking like one photo shoot. And then the guy that I would later date and I'm now not dating slid in my DMs with this post as one said, does my boss might, Yeah. My, he said, my boss might not like it, but, uh, I'll buy the calendar. And I was like, I wasn't even going to make a calendar. And then I said, Oh, a whole calendar, 40, 50, that's a whole 12 months. That's a whole 12 months. <laughs> and that's how I make some money. Okay. Baby girl's got debt and a lot more clothes to buy. I need to set something up. So the entrepreneur in me said, all right, bet, let's go. When the market I, I, demands, then, yeah.
0: you supply.
1: Exactly. So you give the people what they want. So I I, come, I make a thread under the post and I say, you know what? I think maybe I should do a whole 12-month calendar. And then I start getting flooded with replies and DMs. I would buy that. I would buy that. Let me, you know, as soon as it's done, I would buy it. I would buy it. Whatever. And I'm like, what do calendars go for? <laughs> So then a, a photographer slides in my DMs, not like that. And he's like, uh, you need a photographer for this? And I said, honestly, yeah, but like, I don't have it in my budget to pay for 12 different photo shoots. He said, well, I'm trying to transition from real estate photography into portrait photography. <laughs> <don't I?"> right? <laughs> <laughs> Comment to yourself on this one, Ramza. Comment to yourself on this one. But he saw an opportunity. So I said, all right, how about this? And you can tell me if I'm lowballing, but why don't we just go in? I supply my outfits and props. You supply the photography and editing. We go 50-50 on the proceeds from the calendar. And he said, it's a deal. We're now business partners. We went so far. So when we start talking about how we're going to make this calendar, people are like, I'll buy merchandise. I'll buy this. We love the Maya Master brand. And I said, oh, it's a brand now. So then we went all in on it. We were going to start an LLC and we were, you know, it was going to be a whole brand. We had cover art done. We uh, made a Patreon and we had worked to, we had done three months of the fo- the, ca- the calendar shoot. We'd done March, April, no, uh, February, April. I can't get my month, ma- my month's together. February, months March, and April. Sorry. Yeah. February, March, and April, we're done and uh we were to launch the patreon on my birthday uh one of the photo shoots was me licking cake batter off my finger so that was like the happy as a as a birthday gift to me pre-order the calendar and and um subscribe to my patreon account well that's when the doxing came in and someone sent my patreon account to my boss and i was the day after my birthday i was fired And then I sat in the office with my boss and the HR um, coordinator and uh, pled my case. And uh, I won't get into the weeds of that, but the next morning I had another meeting and now I'm thriving in my career. But I've scaled back a lot of my... Part of my uh, agreement to get my job back was to stop all the the actual Maya Master stuff in quote modeling because they saw it as me um, branching off and trying to start a new career.
0: Was it so, like what, it, you don't have to say where you work, but like what field was it?
1: Um, well, I work in law, but on in the real estate industry.
0: So that can't be seen as like a non-compete thing. Like was it a non-compete type no. of thing? Okay.
1: It's, it's an it's a, a image thing. Um, they're very yeah. highly respected in Dallas. And uh, even though it would be very difficult for someone to find me and all that, they didn't like the way that it looked. And the way that they saw it, and it was a bit of a miscommunication. I think that their impression was that it was sort of an OnlyFans thing, mm. and that I was selling my body for money and all this. Uh, and I was like, "Well, that that's not what this was," but I understand. And while I hate that I'm now having to give up my calendar shoot and all the work that we put in, we we had hoodies made. We were going to have posters. We had the whole Damn. thing. I had already. I was starting my podcast. We had already. Um, Recorded the first episode of the podcast, and we were going to have Mia mini-sodes of where I got drunk and t- did 30-minute episodes drunk on whatever the topic was for the week. We had it all planned out, and uh, it just – our dreams died that day. It, this, it, is, it
0: was very sad. Th- this is this is kind of strange, and I, I'm saying this as a very traditionally conservative Liberty University alumni. Yeah in many ways you know the the stereotypes of you know us being in 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 the 2000s, you know, millennials being so different. There's almost this stereotype that oh, they're just completely unhinged and they do all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And then you've got another side of it. it's like, oh, let them be free, let them express themselves, throw away all the standards. But for for many situations, it's almost like, especially when you look at the comments online, the comments I see online from women mm-hmm. posting anything, not even anything remotely flirty or sexual or whatever it mm-hmm. is, it's almost like we're largely puritanical in many ways. Yeah, and it's it's the strange schism between all of it, and yeah. uh, you know I think it's it's kind of funny. I, I like I like to look at all these different internet subcultures that have jumped up, per- particularly in the last uh, in the last five years. I mean, really, with memes that started everything else, and then with Reddit, then with mm-hmm. you know the the influencers and everything else. Like it was funny, but like. Uh, you know, for, for me, I think I the first time I heard the word thought, I had no clue what that was, and then <laughs> what that was. And it was all like, if I could find the one place where it's like we could target it, it was from that, that, that old uh, Instagram page, that eventually turned to the podcast, uh, Call Me Daddy. And then oh, yep.
1: was, like, you that know, w-
0: women, you know, unless you were like in modeling or fashion or entertainment or something, you never had this rise of like, e-girls and everything else pop up but now it seems like every like everywhere you go you're going to see that even without looking for it like instagram for example yeah Yeah, i mean instagram is a place where everyone ends up seeing everything so it's not like it's as separated as it once was but i feel like the tolerance for it isn't even seen as like a real like controversial thing it's almost more like oh that's that's just one of those things people do
1: if you're if you're not you know, if, if I were like what someone would consider like a, an official celebrity, you know, and reach a certain level of fame, or if I was like an actual fashion model, uh, or had my own show and entertainment, a lot of the things that I post, not everything, but like the amount I post or the fact that I post myself wouldn't be considered vain. And it would just be considered part of what I do. But because I'm not, I'm viewed as uh, vain attention seeking, et cetera. And I'm like, listen, I'm selling me as a, an author and a brand. I'm also selling my thoughts and my ideas because what I say matters to some people. Um, and no one ever got famous without putting themselves out there. You know, and not, not necessarily that that's my goal. I mean, I would be very happy. To I mean,
0: no one knew, no one knew Kim Kardashian but, really before the porn tape. And exactly. Like, well, but well, now, well, and well, I'm yeah.
1: not her biggest fan, but now she's been doing, you know, pro bono work and working to get people off on, um, who were wrongfully convicted. So it's like, I, I kind of, I don't want to compare myself to her, but a big part of what I've been doing is genuinely a very calculated move that I, I, I think people underestimate me. They think that I just ship post for the fun of it, but there has been a calculated movement behind what I've been doing. Do,
0: do you remember in I think it was 2014 and and this is when I saw like things were kind of changing a little bit at least in like the online rage space. And of course people on the internet always find a reason to get enraged and you know it's it's you know they everyone finds a reason to get mad. It's like they go online mm-hmm. and they intentionally want to be mad. But for me mm-hmm. I remember in 2014 uh, Kim Kardashian, I think right after she married Kanye, she did the the paper magazine shoot oh
1: i remember that where, break where the internet shoot
0: yeah and i i remember that and it was like one i already know at least a dozen places where i could see what i want to see of kim kardashian two i wasn't i was in college i was a freshman college um <laughs> two it's like, <laughs> <were> like hey. <laughs> i was i mean you know i was single um it was it was one of those moments where it's like when it came out all i really remember was people saying yeah it didn't break the internet And at that point, I remember watching that, I'm like, oh, if Kim Kardashian can do that and we're not seeing like, you know, 20 different hot takes on Fox and CNN about it, I think people have kind of mellowed out about this whole thing.
1: Yeah. And And I like that. I mean, there's been a big positive movement. And when we talk about body positivity now versus a few years ago, a lot of the conversation on body positivity back then was just about being comfortable in your own skin. But now it's like, no, I can show myself and it's one, not for you not for your entertainment and enjoyment, but to, to allow me to feel confident enough to be, you know, be myself out loud. I'm proud of my body. There's nothing wrong with me showing my body. And I can actually show my body and it it, it isn't inherently sexual. It's just me. Um, and obviously there's always going to be that sexual aspect to it because that's just psychology. That's just how we are. You know, a man sees a, a half-naked woman and it's sex to him. But a big part of this body positivity movement amongst women is that um, even if it is sexual, I can be sexual and it doesn't make me a whore. It doesn't make me less than. And if anything, it's empowering because so much of women's sexuality has been held to by men exploiting women. And now it's like, no, I'm taking it in my own hands. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to make a whole brand off of it. And for some women, they're making money off of it. And, and in ways I have as well, but specifically with OnlyFans, good for them. Because so long, women have had their nudes leaked by men that they used to date or by men who, for me, it happened to me. My Snapchat was hacked and someone tried to blackmail me with photos of myself. Um, and it's just about taking the power back like I'm here this is me and and I'm proud of it
0: is what 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 is the game now like when as you keep things up as you keep doing stuff mm-hmm. what is the intention is the intention to keep it alive yeah. for something else or how are you direct you know because for a lot of people yes. going through just some of the stuff i mean not just all of it but even some of the stuff especially when your work gets involved most people would just you know completely pump you know hit the brakes on that
1: Yeah. So it's two pronged, um, half a little bit, you know, I'll say part of it is a little self-centered, but it really always goes back to my, my greatest desire in life is to help others. And that's why I'm writing my memoir. Um, so the first half of it is, uh, marketing and publicity. By the time I'm ready to publish my memoir, the more following I have, like that's more marketing. That's more advertisement for my book. That's more people who are, who are feel connected enough to me to want to buy it fans so to say who want to read my work and buy my book and then that part of that about helping people is that's why I'm writing my book is because I genuinely believe that the experiences that I've had and the microcosm of me uh, sharing just pieces of those experiences in in short form through Twitter uh and through my blog has helped people and I'm like okay well there's a lot more to say about it and a lot more that I've learned that I can help you through this memoir and through you know. Um, learn from my pain so that you don't have to go through what I have. And then the other half of that is that, and here's where I talked about it being calculating in that people come for the boobs and they stay a lot of the time for the personality and, and for what I have to say, but a lot of the men, and I won't say the simps because some of them are just genuinely nice people, but a lot of the men who come and are are attracted by my, my, uh, Twitter brand and personality are the exact people who need to hear the real shit that I have to say later. So you, Do you know, one day
0: listen to a woman. Otherwise,
1: I think so. I think, that and, they and I'm not. Be exposed I'm not the ideas. Because, I'm not you know, saying people that People get in this groupthink.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like this is th- this is why I'm glad we're 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 talking about this because I feel like for a lot of people this is a conversation they typically wouldn't get otherwise. Mm-hmm. But like. For for when when I say a man wouldn't listen to a woman otherwise, I'm not saying we live in a sexist society. But it, I also yeah. think it comes down. I, I, I do. I believe that some of that stuff happens. I don't just believe it. I know it happens. But do I think it's yeah. as egregious? Like is it 1950s madmen type of stuff? I wouldn't no, say of course that. Not. But I feel like for a lot of this stuff, and I I don't I don't blame the internet. I don't blame TV. What I genuinely blame are just. I, I always try and throw things back to the individual level. I blame men themselves um, mm-hmm. you know for for me growing up as a guy that was often you know just really, nervous speaking to women as a teenager and everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what was going on in the minds of women until I got older and more confident in myself and I was able to have platonic female friends. Especially, you know, friends that, you know, at at the beginning it's like, oh maybe something more is here. And then later on it's like, okay, we could just be friends. It wasn't until I actually had those conversations with women that I really began to experience it. And then I've been in a relationship Mm -hmm. for five years. That has really open my eyes into really you know what 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 it's like to view certain things from the aspect mm-hmm. of somebody that is a woman I feel that for the most part and it's not just something I assume it's something that I hear from a lot of people especially a lot of good looking men who you would think have a lot of you know uh, platonic female friends they're mm-hmm. nervous to ask women about this type of stuff yeah yeah, I well, feel and, that and in your case, yeah. this might be the only way for some people to yeah. actually hear it.
1: And there's there's two part, parts to that. One is is not you know we're talking about you know some it's not I don't want to listen to a woman. It's a lot of it's like um, an echo chamber sort of situation. You don't. I think it's less that they're they're other, afraid to ask. Yeah. Well, and that too, but if you're not surrounding yourself or you're not in in spaces where you're apt to hear this conversation, you're just not going to hear it. Yeah. But when you see an attractive woman online, you go and follow her and you don't think you're following her for insightful conversation. So it doesn't come across your brain. But then there's the other side of that. And that's that people are able to be a lot more bold online. It's it's not as oh, intimidating yeah. to talk to someone online than it is to have a conversation in person, and so a lot of these men who otherwise wouldn't have these conversations feel emboldened enough, confident enough, and secure enough to to ask, and and sometimes they ask very offensively, but that's part of of kind of what set me apart is that I don't automatically just uh, block and move on. I don't just you know say screw you. I take most opportunities as a learning experience. And I've actually had quite a few men who started out being very offensive and very, um, just, just dehumanizing in many ways, come around and become very kind people who genuinely care about what I have to say. And they've told me, they say, you know, I came for the boobs, but I really care about what you have to say now. And, and I'm buying your books because I really want to hear more. And I'm reading your blog, because this is very insightful. And, and you say things that I never thought about it that way. So like, I'll give this example, which ties into the second half of, of why I keep doing what I'm doing. Recently, I made a thread about hypersexuality after sexual assault. Uh, and it, it was a thread that kind of took off. And um, to kind of, it's it's hard to summarize, I could just read it off to you. But essentially uh there's two ways that you go after sexual assault generally you'll either become very closed off not necessarily man-hating but distrusting of of men or whoever hurt you um and whatever that looks like um and just very reserved and then the other side of that is actually hypersexuality and it doesn't get talked about a lot but a lot of people go that direction and it's a defense mechanism um If I give it freely, they can't take it from me. A lot of it is uh, taking control. um, My sexuality and that part of me was taken from me. And now I want to own it. And since clearly that was all that someone cared about, that's all I had to offer this world. That was my only worth. So much so that that's what you decided to take from me. Let me now take that in my hands and use it. And then the other part of it is manipulation. And that's... um, men have hurt me. So I want to hurt them back. And so uh, I went through that in early college, I would seek out or allow the worst of the worst, the asshole, the douchebags, the guys that were too handsy at parties who were likely to roofie my drink. And I would take that and run with it. And I would give myself to them essentially. And then ghost them and treat them how they treated other women and through the psychological aspect of that a lot of them fell for me and then i would just never speak to them again and i'm not proud of this and it was a very short period of my life what, what but was it the went immediate what was the immediate
0: feeling though like was the immediate feeling like of of you know is Power. it positive
1: it was it, you know it was positive. And after afterwards, I would always feel bad because that's just not who I am. I'm a very compassionate, kind person. I always felt guilty about it, but, and it's kind of funny, it's kind of like good luck, Chuck. During that period of time, almost every single man that I did that with went on to have beautiful, successful, wonderful, committed relationships with great girls because it finally occurred to them, It didn't feel good what they were doing to other people and they felt what it was like to feel used. And I do not support doing this, but I just tying it back to a lot of the, um, I guess you could say bitchy or slutty or whorish behaviors that men detest in women and that people talk down to or have in the past came from um, trauma, their trauma responses, and they come from a place of pain. And I will say as a caveat, um, being, a very sexual person does not make you a whore and it doesn't make you less than and you don't need trauma to justify these decisions. Go for it. But what a lot of the men afterwards, after I made this thread, they were like, oh my God, I never realized that. I actually have a few female friends and I was really disappointed in seeing how they were just throwing themselves out there all the time. And and now I remember that they were assaulted and now it makes more sense. And a lot of men were saying, I don't know if any of my any of the women in my life have gone through this, but how do I approach them? How do I reach out and ask, how do I help them? And I've gotten so many messages opening up about my sexual assault from men specifically saying, how can I best support the women in my life? Especially how do I support them not knowing? And so I've taken this opportunity and that's the overarching part of this is that The people who need to hear what I have to say on these subjects, who need to to hear this and have this dialogue, are the people who come just for the boobs and just for the sex. And I use that as a tool to bring them in. And it's, it's part of how I've turned my hypersexuality in a different way, in a more positive way. Now I can still get that control of my body and my sexuality. I can still feel that confidence and power, but I get to use it for good. And I get to have these conversations with people and especially with people who wouldn't hear them otherwise. And it's making a difference in their lives. And, and I'll hear back from them, just like the people who take my weight loss tips. You know, a month, two months, three months later, they'll come back to me and say, thank you so much. I lost 30 pounds. Or in this case, I hear, I reached out, I finally reached out to my sister or my friend or my coworker, or my ex-girlfriend, or my current girlfriend. And I had these conversations, like you told me, and it's made all the difference in the world. And it's it's really opened my heart and opened my mind. And, you know, I just genuinely believe that you should be the change you want to see and that these micro-interactions, you know, it's like, you know, one a butterfly's wings, flap of a butterfly's wings causes a tsunami sort of thing. And it, it just trickles down. And people continue having these conversations. And I've had men say, um, actually, a man called me, a friend from high school called me a few days ago. He said, I really want to talk to you about something. And I said, okay, we don't really talk very often and haven't since high school. He called me and said, so I was actually out at a bar and I ran into someone from high school and they said, hey, do you still talk to Maya? And he said, oh, yeah, sometimes. Why? He said, I follow her on Twitter and she's so funny and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But she made this thread recently. Have you read it? No, I haven't. And then they sit and they actually two men sat and had a whole conversation about my thread and were just like thinking it out and having a conversation. And then this guy called me and said, I had never told anyone about my sexual assault. And so I told my mom and then I told my family members and now I don't feel so guilty for my hypersexuality. And uh, I also wanted to tell you, I'm really sorry for how much I judged you in high school. Because I didn't understand that that's where it was coming from. And so I've been reaching out to a lot of my female friends who might have gone through the same and having these conversations. And it's just, that's why I do it. And that's why I'll always do it. And that's why I stay vulnerable. Because every time I talk about these things, it's never easy, but it's worth it.
0: I, I would not have thought of it that way. I, I really wouldn't have thought of it. Uh, to be quite honest, kind of going into the conversation, just from my own personal judgment view, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be, well, I've been hurt, therefore I might as well take advantage of what's going on. It's it it's just an honest assumption I had, and to actually yeah, hear it this way is you know it, it 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 adds a lot more depth to it. So no, I I uh, that that's really interesting to To kind of pivot in a way, you mentioned that you were single earlier. This is a question yeah. I've had for a lot of my single friends in the last, I want to say, two years. It's not really a topic right now, but you know, with this whole, you know, thought conversation, it, it's something that we can't avoid. Which <laughs> yeah. is, you know, has you know has the whole Me Too movement, yeah, has it been better or worse for women? Because I look at it on the pro side, and I'm like, it's finally. You know, something that more women are able to talk about, and even men in many cases, where now, you know, yeah. the scumbags are being exposed. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we've also seen the inverse side of it, where mm-hmm. now, you know, and I use the term I, – I, I say this with a lot of things, but I, I really try and overlap it. I say that we're an extremely religious puritanical society, but I don't mean Christian. By religious puritanical, yeah. I mean we go with these po- – you know, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna finally use my fucking degree for the first time in my life right now. We, <laughs> we, we live in this very neoliberal postmodern society where we have mm-hmm. no rules, but we have more societal rules now than at any other point in our lives. And you know, I mean, we're relatively close in age, so I could say um, I I never saw this happening, but in many ways, I'm glad that I am not single right now, and I'm glad yeah. that I met my girlfriend when I did. Because, you know, as I look back and I look at the situation with how everything is suddenly occurring now and how every, you know, good guy has to be a feminist and that shit. I look at it and I'm like, I wonder if the things that I would have done would have still been good now. And as I look back at it, you know, I, I don't think I would have gotten in trouble. I mean, my, my yeah. biggest thing is I, I think, you know, what, what would it be like if I if I was flirting with somebody now? Is that flirting? You know, is it... You know, when, when, how, how far yeah. do you go in that situation before one, it's unwanted, or two, it's acceptable? Yeah. Because so, in many ways, I feel like, especially with internet culture and everything else, mm-hmm. I think a lot of men are actually afraid to even be somewhat flirtatious with women.
1: Yeah, so I, a few things. So, I mean, I think that you and know, I probably disagree on the topic of, of, you know, feminism or using that term. I used to be very like, I'm not a feminist because. I, I'm an equalist or a humanist or whatever, but I've kind of changed my tone on that. I don't necessarily expect. Let, a man let, a let's let's try and let,
0: let's let's try and understand this. What do, how do you define it?
1: I just define it as someone who believes that men and women should have equal rights and and equal be treated equally, and and that women should be treated with the same respect that than men are.
0: So that's, what, and that's how simple what, I see it. So what would the difference be between just being a, just a respectful person and having to identify as a feminist? Because in, in my I, way, say, I don't
1: expect yeah. a man to say, I am a feminist. Um, but I also wouldn't expect a man to say, I'm not a feminist. Uh, I just expect him to treat me with respect and to advocate for women in, in appropriate ways. Uh, and that's about it. I've never um, expected a man to like proclaim it in that way. But for me, it's, a, it's I won't go as far as saying red flag necessarily, but it's a bit of a stopper when a man says, "I'm not a feminist," because it, it doesn't tell me that he doesn't believe women and men are equal. It tells me I don't think you understand um, the movement or or the uh, perspective that we're as women we're trying to convey. I also, I'm not a third wave feminist, but I feel like that's kind of- That, okay, that is where- And that's the thing is, I can say I'm a feminist and it doesn't mean I'm a radical feminist. It doesn't mean I'm a third wave feminist. It doesn't mean that I believe X, Y, Z. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in chivalry. It doesn't mean any of those things. When I say I'm a feminist, I am advocating for the dictionary definition of the exact statement I'm making. I am a feminist. A feminist is someone who believes- inequality. And so I think that the only way to take back that term is by using it in the context it's meant to be used.
0: I think it's like, I I think feminism falls into a lot of other words. Like, you know, if you had said social justice in like 2010 or something, I remember a lot of people using that. It was not what it means now. You say it like 10 years ago. It's like, well, of course people want, you know, societal justice. That's not a big thing. Social justice. Yeah. We want more equality amongst people. That's fine. I think for me, it's hard to separate Feminism from, one, what was it inherently when it was first a thing, you know, yeah. equal legal protection and legal recognition of women as people, and then what it is now. So I guess for me, I, I come that's at fair. it from from that side because it's just I, – I feel that for a lot of people when they go into that conversation, that's immediately what's at the front mm-hmm. of their mind. For everything else that you said, well, I would I, agree I, 100%. I yeah, yeah, like I would agree a hundred percent. But I struggled with I just that, that for a while well, too. Though. Yeah, yeah. But
1: at the same time, I I, I struggled with that too. But then what occurred to me was the more that that we keep saying that, and the more we feed into that, the the more it takes away from what it was originally intended. So, like as an a exa- loose example, uh, and I don't want to talk about her because she doesn't really deserve it, but loosely talking about uh, Curly Hair Gun Girl. A lot of people say, if y'all would just stop talking about her, she wouldn't be relevant. And it's the same kind of concept on the reverse. If we would just stop talking about, well, feminism has kind of changed its tone. If we would stop having that conversation and just say, I'm a feminist and I believe in equality. I think that over time, we would just get back to what it really was. And I think that slowly we are in the correct, in the, like in the general circles of just people who aren't highly politicized or having those types of conversation or rhetoric generally hear feminist and think that. Um, but I think that that's part of the polarization, but, you know, going back to the me too movement and is it better or worse? I think it's better for everyone. And I think it's better for men because, um, we are making it very clear with our loud voices, what we find okay and not what we're comfortable with and what we're not. Um, The experiences we've had just from an anecdotal perspective of um, what has made us uncomfortable. Like I've talked about it before. um, You can get past me in a crowd and you don't need to touch my lower back men. And I've tweeted before men. I just want you to think about this. The last time you needed to get past a man, did you touch his lower back or did you touch his shoulder or did you not touch him at all? Did you just say, Hey, excuse me. A lot of people just lift their hands up and say, Hey, excuse me. Got to get around you. When it's a woman or a beautiful woman, all of a sudden, well, I'm not touching your lower back in a sexual way. That's just what I do all the time. I don't mean it that way. Okay.
0: You see, I'm fucking smart. I do the Keanu Reeves and I pin my, my, pin my hands back. (laughs) Okay, see, Keanu.
1: but this is this is where this is where these conversations help men. Because there are generally some men who don't mean it that way, but they've just seen it that way. They've been raised in a society and a culture where that's normal and it's okay. And there's certain things that have they've always believed is okay because women haven't been empowered or listened to enough to say, we don't like that, it's not okay, or been in a position where we can say that and it's heard. And now we are. And so now good, nice guys can say, Oh shit, I've been doing that and I don't want to make women uncomfortable. So I'm gonna make a conscious effort to not do that behavior. You know? Okay.
0: When so I'm here's here's the woman. So here's the uh, I'm inverse side. Ask for
1: consent. I'm gonna say, you know.
0: Okay, yeah. so so here I, I I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. But then here's the inverse side. And I'm not bringing this example up to be a dick, but it's gonna come across that way. I don't hold the door for it's women. I I don't hold the w- door for women anymore, because okay in the in the way that I have seen a lot of situations go out of control and stuff, I would rather be considered a jerk than be considered sexist. So I will hold a door. I
1: understand that, I will, and I, I think it's hold, unfortunate. Yeah.
0: yeah, because like it was always a thing. Like my my mom raised me to do that: hold the door for women. But now it's like anyone. I
1: think men. Yeah. yeah.
0: I hold the door for men. It doesn't like I. I think. I think. Uh,
1: Yeah. I think. I might. I I I might be wrong. I I, yeah.
0: I might be wrong about this. I might be wrong about this. Let me know on Twitter, folks. But like, you know, there there used to be this thing where men will make fun of each other for holding the door for men. I actually see more men do that than not. I actually think mm-hmm. it's something that we would make fun of each other online in a chat, but we would never make fun of each other in real exactly. life. So like I if I, yeah. That, Go ahead. yeah,
1: Well, I think that also kind of comes back to, um, I understand and I, th- and I completely understand why you don't anymore. But I think that we have to kind of take that exact example you just said and talk about it in the sense of opening doors for women. Because, you know, with social media and just media in general, we see a lot of um, one-off uh, radical experiences or, um, behaviors blown up and it makes it seem like this is something that happens a lot. But I mean, in the, in the course of, of life, how many men, how many men have genuinely held the door open for a woman and been yelled at for it? And I don't know, you know, because it, and maybe I'm wrong, but I guess what I'm saying is, I understand why you wouldn't and I don't blame you for not. So
0: I I and this not, is this is one of those weird you know, things. We we folks, we did not coordinate this. This is one of those weird things. I have not been yelled at by a woman, but I was scolded by an older woman about 3 years. Really? Ago. This this is weird, and I do not I do not use this as an example of well this happened therefore all your points are voided. I'm just saying this is one of those weird things that I didn't think would actually happen. But I held Mm -hmm. it for a woman in DC, and I opened the door, and she was about to walk through, but she stopped and she looked at me, and she said, "Why are you holding the door open for me?" And I said well, I saw you coming. I just wanted to be polite. But why? Would you have done this for a man? And it it became very uncomfortable for me because I'm just trying to be nice. So I think that that situation happens. I don't think it happens Uh often. I actually think I'm part of the minority for that. But, you know, the the one thing that I will say is often, and I, I I don't... just think this is like a small man syndrome type of thing but it's also where i've seen the inverse of this happen where you've got ultra aggressive like you know the the mras the men rights activist type of stuff i the Mm -hmm. the door conversation i is i think where you find a lot of strawman arguments and pitfalls because the one thing that i've seen in this is well why don't women hold the door open for men i do (laughs) (laughs) i do and i and and i see women who do
1: that it's I like it
0: for my dad. Yeah. My
1: dad S- and I S- yeah. open it for each other. Like, yeah,
0: like that's the thing. Like, I see that happen. It's like, dude, tell it's me. It's just
1: a nice thing to do for someone. It's just yeah. polite. It's just like, who's supposed to put the divider in at the grocery store line? The person who's at the checkout or the person putting their groceries on? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. It's just whoever gets to it first. Who opens the door, man or women? It doesn't matter. It's just whoever's at the door. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's coming. It's just a polite thing to do.
0: I think it's good for COVID now because no one wants to be the person that forced another person to touch something they just touched.
1: <laughs> That's fair. Strange. That's fair. But I mean, yeah, I think that, I think that honestly we're in, in the best time. There's a lot of progress to be made, especially on the criminal justice reform side of things. But I think that as a woman, so far throughout history, I'm in the best time there has been to be a woman. I'm very thankful for that. Um, and you know, my tagline for my brand, what it was going to be, and it's on my Instagram still, but vintage girl, modern world, and it's to say um, I love fifties, forties, and fifties fashion. I think it was great. It was a great time for women in fashion. It was not a great time to be a woman, and um, it was the mad Mad Men type thing. If I had been a woman in my same job title, wearing those same clothes, you know, seventy years ago, I would have been um, subjected to so much more blatant sexual harassment and assault in the workplace i mean uh, in my current workplace i haven't experienced it i will say in the modern world i have uh, but it's more passive aggressive or past just passive um, and sly men have gotten a little more creative but I-, I will say still it's it's a much better time to be a woman than it ever has been and i look forward to the world that my daughters will grow up in one day because i believe that will make it even better for them
0: I think this is a perfect place to kind of cap things off. This has been a great conversation. I really do appreciate you taking time to record Thank this with you. me. Thank if, uh, you. If people want to go ahead check out your book, follow you on Twitter for all the shenanigans and everything else, how could they do so?
1: Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Chaotic Good Est. Um. C-H-A-O-T-I-C-G-O-O-D-E-S-T. That was hard. I'll Uh, link it in
0: the show notes. I'll make it Yeah, link it. (laughs) Uh,
1: But you can also link, uh, I have a link tree, which allows you access to my um, public Instagram where you can follow some of my writing and my fashion. It also has links to buy signed copies of my books as well as regular copies on Amazon. Um, And my link tree is uh, slash goodest, which is also my Twitter handle. And you can follow my shenanigans there.
0: Maya, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you. Well, folks, you know, conversations like this don't just happen in the ether. It's because you're all providing input. And what I love is actually getting to go ahead and have these conversations in long form. We get to put the We get to put the phones down, and we actually get to go ahead and jump into this and actively listen to each other. And I think that's the one thing that is gone from society because we're in the 180-character world and everything else. We've lost the ability to actively listen and actually go ahead and have a good in-depth conversation. But that's why you're here. That's why you love it. And I know I brought it up at the beginning, but I'll bring up again, a five-star rating and review for On The Run it costs you nothing, but means me everything. If you enjoy conversations like this with Maya, jumping in to the meat of it all, please go ahead, share it with a friend. Do that. As always, I'm Remso W Martinez. Follow me across all the internets. You know how it works. At Hey Remso, and find me on Parlor at Just Remso R E M S O. As always, I'll talk to you later in the week. You're listening to on the Run. Have a good night. Be safe, and remember, the only people who are free are those of choices. Good night. Check
1: out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.